Well, good morning. As you take a seat, go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn in them to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, we're going to be looking at verses 14 through 23, which is the end of this epistle. The very end. We've made it through, and it has been a it has been an really cool journey through this book of the Bible. Um, we're gonna have some keywords this morning that are gonna guide us through this passage, and the first word is this, it's partnership, partnership. Uh, Philippians chapter four, let's start as you get there, looking at verses, verse 14. It says this, yet it was kind of you, it was kind of you to share my trouble. Verse 15, and you Philippians know your, yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Okay, so where are we at? Here's where we're at. The church of Philippi, remember, has sent Paul a financial gift. They've sent him support. Last week we saw Paul say, I, I don't need your gift. I just need you to know I don't need it. I'm content. Okay, this week he's saying, I'm thankful. Look at that. He's like, it's kind of you to share my trouble, to partner with me in my hardship when what? When no other church did. Nobody else did. And he's like, you partnered with me, what's he say? In giving and receiving, giving and receiving, financial assistance, all right? It's important for us to realize that financial help is a means by which we take part in furthering the gospel, okay? But, but this isn't just talking about that, giving and receiving. There's the idea here of, of mutual ministry that's happening. The church at Philippi received from Paul instruction in the way of Jesus, and then they, they gave to support his, his ministry. So there's this, this generous giving and thankful receiving that's happening on both ends of this. Look at verse 16. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. So, so Paul, at that point, was working to plant and strengthen the church in Thessalonica, about 100 miles up the road from where they're at. And they're supporting him financially as he does that work. They're making that work possible with their support. It says once and again, or over and over again. Uh, side note, uh, God's primary means of spreading the good news about himself and making disciples is through the local church. Okay, you're gonna hear a lot around here, the mission of the church is the church. The local church is God's plan to reach the world with the gospel. And so that means that healthy, faithful, fruitful local churches are gonna be all about partnering to see the gospel spread both near and far, how? Through the local church. And this young church at Philippi is already supporting that mission, partnership. Second word to guide us through this passage is this, fruit, fruit. Look down at verse 17. Paul says, not that I seek the gift. Here he goes again. <laughs> He's like, thank you. Not that I seek it. Not that I seek the gift, but 
I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Uh, Paul's saying, listen, I don't need a private jet to travel around and do ministry. That's not what I am seeking. Here's what I'm seeking. I'm seeking your fruit. I want you to be fruitful. Uh, what spiritual fruit comes from giving? A couple aspects of this. First, there's fruit in their lives. There's fruit of sanctification. So as they give in dependence and in trust in the Lord, they'll grow in Christ's likeness. Do you realize generosity is evidence of the Christian faith? It's proof of life in a believer. Generosity is, it's to be a defining characteristic of God's people. You see, as we grasp increasingly God's goodness and his grace, we will be radically generous as an overflow of having realized how much generosity we've been shown. Are, are you generous? Are you, are you quick to be generous? To help those that are in need around you? To support the furthering of the gospel through Christian ministry? So there's fruit in their lives. There's also uh, what I'd call gospel fruit. Their, their partnership with Paul results in their participation in any gospel results that come from his ministry. So as Paul sees people come to Christ, as he see, sees people gathered into local churches, and as he sees those churches then reaching their communities with the good news, they get the joy of knowing they've had a part in contributing to that. It's not just Paul off doing this work. They're like, we're partnering with him to support him in this way. And so this is also our gospel fruit. That's incredible. And then last, there's, there's the fruit of eternal reward. Scripture promises us over and over again that if we will live for the glory of God here in this life, there will be reward there will be rewards untold in eternity when, when, when we're once and, with all, once and for all with Jesus Christ. They're heaping up, they're crediting up to their account is this language, an eternal fruit. Next word to guide us through is this, sacrifice, sacrifice. Look at verse 18. Paul says, I've received full payment and more I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent. Look at this. A fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Ha, huh. sacrifice. Uh, this wasn't just some spare change that was flippantly tossed to Paul. This wasn't just, hey, whatever I've got left, I'll just put it in the offering box on my oh, on my way out. This wasn't that 32 cents that you've got left over that you don't wanna carry around because there's no use for change in the world and so you put it in the tip jar at the coffee shop. That's not what this is. This is sacrificial. Um, Second Corinthians chapter eight, 
uh, Paul again is here talking to the church at Corinth and he was going around and he was actually raising funds to help a needy Jerusalem church. And as he does it, he says this, listen to this. We want you to know brothers and sisters about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. The churches of Macedonia were at Berea, Thessalonica, and Philippi. Four, in a severe test of affliction, look at this, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty. They're happy and poor have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part because they gave according to their means and as I'll testify, they gave beyond their means of their own accord. They begged us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints and this not as we expected but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then they gave themselves by the will of God to us. That's incredible. This is a, a sacrificially generous church. And their, their partnership here, if you look back in Philippians, it's likened to an Old Testament sacrifice that's offered up to God. A, a fragrant offering. Uh, we understand smells a lot, don't we? Uh, Yankee Candle, one of the best places to go. You just smell all the smell of the candles. Um, I like to I like to run in the evenings. So when I get home in the evenings, I like to go out, take a run. It helps me get the blood flowing, process my day, and then I can come in and really just sit down at the table with my family or go to whatever else we have in that evening. But one of the hard things about running that time of night is it takes about a half mile to get out of my neighborhood. And as I take off and I, and I run, I smell every single thing that everybody is cooking for dinner. And so you're trying to like focus and say, no, be disciplined, I wanna run, your stomach is growling, but you're like, oh, oh, they're having barbecue for dinner. Mm. Then you come by and you're like, oh, wow, that's, that's chicken fried rice. And then it's like, oh, feel bad for them, that smells like hamburger helper. <laughs> And so it's nice, like you finally get out of the, get out of the subdivision and you're like, okay, just the fresh air, you know, the country air out there. But when you get back, it's amazing because you get back to your driveway and then you can smell what you're having for dinner. And you're like, and I'm back and I can partake in this. And it's especially good when it's something made with bacon that's coming out of, Coming out of it. We, we, so we understand smells. That's the picture here. This is a sacrifice pleasing in its fragrance to the Lord. Do you realize the difference between a sweet smelling sacrifice and something that smells rotten, foul, and like death is just a couple feet. See, see, there was the altar that they were supposed to place the sacrifice on and then the flames would consume that sacrifice and then the smell and the smoke would rise up to heaven figuratively to the nostrils of God. And then over here, you just drop it on the ground in the heat of the sun, rotting, decaying, foul. See, there's a difference. 
just in this couple feet, but there's a bigger difference than just spatially. The difference between this offering and this is obedience. That's what this church is doing. This, this sacrifice rises to God and the aroma of it is pleasing. Why? Because it's done in obedience. Because it's done by faith in the Lord. Because it's done as an act of worship. Right, they're, they're demonstrating that I'm not attached to this money more than I'm attached to Jesus. He is supremely valuable and it is all his. It was never mine. What in your life right now stinks? What in your life right now reeks of disobedience? What, what needs to change? How do you need to deal with that? Maybe there needs to be some repentance between you and the Lord. Maybe there needs to be some forgiveness extended and received between you and a brother and sister in Christ that you need to be reconciled to. Maybe there's some sin in your life that you need to put away. You need to get that big scoop shovel out. You need to come over here. You need to get this thing up and you need to get it out. And in its place, you put on what is pleasing to the Lord. And you do all of that, not for grace, remember, by grace. Because see, Christ, Christ offered himself as a sacrifice pleasing to God in our place so that we would even desire and be able to live obediently and sacrificially and joyfully. What stinks? What is that area of your life where like Philippians tells us, you need to work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling? And you need to do it while clinging to the amazing grace of God. Sacrifice. Next word, provision, provision. Look down at verse 19. It says, your gifts are sent, fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever, amen. We need to break down this promise a little bit to understand it, why? Because um, often this promise doesn't seem to be realized in a lot of people's lives, does it? Like we look around the world and we know of all kinds of Christians who are suffering and in need in some way and we're like, where's this promise for them? So let's, let's break this down a little bit, word by word, phrase by phrase here. Verse 19, my God, my God, not the God, not some God. This is personal. Paul's like, my God, the one who cares for me will also care for you. What will my God do? My God will supply, that's a promise. He'll supply what? It says 
every, every. The scope of this is not merely financial, it's so far beyond that. He'll supply every what? Every need of yours. Notice as you look at that, it doesn't say every want. It doesn't say everything I think I need, everything I perceive I need. It says every need. What God knows are your greatest, truest, and actual needs. Uh, Three words for us this morning. God knows best. You're like, Nate, you studied, prepared, prayed all week just to say that. (laughs) I studied, prepared, and prayed all week this week to repeat that to myself. God knows best. He knows better than we do what our greatest needs are. And here in this specific context, he knows that we can be content in every circumstance. How? Through Christ who gives us strength. My God will supply every need of yours. How? How does it say there? According to his riches in glory. He owns it all. And he will provide for us according to his perfect purposes, for his glory, and from the infinite storehouses of his goodness and his grace. And I love here, it says in verse 19, he'll supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory. And then look down to verse 20, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever, amen. So it's in glory and be glory. He's reminding us that his glory is both the source and the end, the goal of our provision, right? So, so our provision comes from the storehouses of his goodness and grace and glory. And our provision is given to us so that it might be utilized for his glory. So he provides everything we need to live, to make much of him. And how does he do it? Look down there again. He does it in Christ Jesus. We've seen throughout this whole book, the greatest provision of God is the person of God. The greatest provision from God is the person of of Jesus Christ. And that provision of Jesus Christ in his person, it comes to us through the finished work of Jesus Christ. So ultimately here, the sacrifice that we're meant to rejoice in, it's not our sacrifice, it's his. Romans 8.32 says this, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Listen to that again. He who did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all. How? How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If he gave us his son, he'll give us 
everything else that is necessary. We need to notice too that this, this promise is it's specifically given here. So this is not broadly given to everyone. This is given to those believers who are living and giving sacrificially. And it's given to them so that we would continue living generously for God's glory and for the advance of the gospel. See, as Christians, we are free. We're free to give both our lives and our finances extravagantly and joyfully and worshipfully for the glory of God. And we can do that, why? Because we cling to God's promise of provision. You see, that changes, that changes the way that we live. We can fearlessly lean into sacrifice and to generosity. Why? Because we trust our God, that's why. Moms here this morning, living generously, living sacrificially to care for your kids, the kids that God has entrusted to you. Maybe you're like, I'm just trying to do my best. <laughs> I just don't wanna break them. <laughs> I just wanna do it well and for God's glory. Maybe you find yourself this morning poured out, tired. Maybe you find yourself scared, confused, weighed down with the scope of that responsibility that God has given you. Listen, listen, he's with you. Keep going, keep being faithful, keep pointing them to Jesus, keep choosing joy in the midst of it all. He, he sees you better from this passage, he smells, <laughs> he really smells if your kids are still in diapers. Your sacrifice rises to the Lord as a pleasing aroma. And there will be fruit. There will be fruit in your life as you lean into this. By God's grace, there'll be fruit in their lives as they receive from you how you've pointed them to Christ. And, and there is a guarantee there will be fruit there will be reward in eternity with your Savior. My God, my God will supply your every need in accordance with his riches in glory. And he'll do that in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus. Uh, last word to take us through this passage is this, remember, remember, Verse 21 through 23 there. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus, every holy one in Christ. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. 
May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Paul ends by reminding them that God is building his church, not only in Philippi, but around the world. And he's doing that through the partnership of this little, poor, happy church here in Philippi. And what's really cool, he ends this, I love this one little phrase. All the saints greet you, especially those in Caesar's household. The gospel has made it to the front steps of the enemy and is moving forward even in one of the most hostile places. And Paul here, by ending this way, is saying, hey, remember these people. Remember your brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. Church, remember. Pray for them. Support them. Love them. Partner with them in the gospel. Philippians. Rejoicing in what matters. We've seen through this book, Paul encourages the church at Philippi and now he encourages us to choose, to be devoted to, and to rejoice in what matters, what is excellent. And I hope, I hope you've seen through this book of the Bible that what is most excellent is Jesus Christ. And it is the progress of the gospel, both in us and through us, all for the glory of God. Here's how we're gonna end this service today. The last 13 minutes are gonna be like this. Um, we're gonna watch a video. You see, it's, it's really good to slow down in God's word, like we've done over the last 16 weeks because you, you see things that maybe you've never seen before. But we have to be careful when we do that, that we don't miss the, the forest for the trees. That we don't forget that this was, this was written as a letter to a local church, probably read to them in one sitting. And so we're gonna, we're gonna look at this whole letter one last time in its entirety, so that hopefully, like Paul here in verse 20, we can end this way. To our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. If you remember back at the beginning of the series, uh, we called you to consider memorizing a portion of this epistle. I am so encouraged. So many of you did that. Like constantly coming up and saying, I'm memorizing this, I'm memorizing this, I'm meditating on this. And we did that all at different levels of success, but more of that, more of that as, as a church, memorizing, meditating on, and applying God's word in our daily lives. Um, out of that, 26 brave souls amongst us agreed to put their memorization on video. And then our awesome creative team got together and they mashed that together. And we're gonna see we're gonna hear this book quoted over us in its entirety. And here's how I'd love us to end. This will be the last thing we do in the service. We're gonna worship through that. You know, maybe you've got your Bible, maybe you wanna follow along. Maybe you wanna quote the sections along with it that you might know. Maybe you just wanna sit there, be reminded of what God has done in your life through this book, or maybe listen for something new 
that you never noticed before as this is read over us. And let's worship. Let's rejoice in the fact that we get to hear God's voice in this book of the Bible. This is the word of the Lord. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you all and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are partakers of me with grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ for the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me in prison has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout all the Roman guard and all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become more confident in the Lord because of my imprisonment, are now much more bold to speak the word without fear. Now some preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love knowing that I am put here in prison for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, without sincerity, for they think to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then, what now, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Jesus Christ because of my coming to you again. 
Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict you saw that I had, and now hear that I still have. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, and being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility consider others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. And having been found in human form, he emptied himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. That in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I may also be cheered when I receive news of you, for I have no one like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare, for everyone looks at his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me, and I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and was distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him and on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am all the more eager to send him to you, therefore, that you should rejoice at seeing him again, and that I should be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, 
risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble for me, and it is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcise the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection, that I may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but the one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think in this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Iodia and I entreat Syneche, agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are written in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving in your heart, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which 
surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret to being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory and glory forever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen.